0: Now listening to the professional homework. Professional?
1: girls it's the kid ebony from the phd podcast the only place where you will hear interviews from black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics now if you hear someone that sounds familiar mind the business that pays you child if you like the phd podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts. please five star reviews only hold me down don't hold me up merch is now available on the site as well as my book list so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below you can connect with the kid on Instagram at the professional homegirl and at the PHG podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PHG podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episode, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PHG podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PHG podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous. So let's begin this week's episode. So I am super excited about this week's episode. Our guest is a personal trainer, a relationship coach, and a certified behavior change specialist for women with incarcerated spouses. Our guest specializes in teaching women how to find clarity in who they are so they are confident speaking up for what they need, creating healthy relationships, and developing inner trust to ensure that they are not making decisions that would make them unhappy with the fear of future resentment.
0: Okay. Mm, mm, that
2: sounded great. Where'd you get that from? Right? That's, that's <laughs> I think
1: so let me take this and borrow it right quick. <laughs> so my guest, how are you doing?
2: I am doing wonderful and I'm excited to be here because I feel like what we're going to talk about is going to help so many people. And because
1: especially because one, it's needed, and a lot of people don't even know I exist. So
2: let's yes. do it.
1: And then on top of that, we were just keying y'all for like five, 10 minutes before the show. But I was like, she is a real life superhero. Oh, Not All you. heroes wear capes, man. And y'all would definitely hear why. But I think she is so amazing. I'm so excited to have her in the show because it has definitely been what a couple of weeks in the making that we had to reschedule on my behalf. I know. It's okay. We're both busy. and But we made it happen. We're here. We're here. So, yes, yes. so why do you think there is a stigma associated with the term prison wife?
2: Ooh, why is there a stigma? Well, first of all, there's a stigma with prison. Right. Oh, I mean, gosh, how deep do you want to go? Oh, we can go so, deep. I mean, gosh, don't, but don't say that because then you're having to talk about black codes and <laughs> slavery. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the stigma exists because there's a perception that, one, that exists with who goes to prison and what those people, uh, who they are, I guess. So I think there's an idea that the people who are in prison are bad people. Um, they all have bad intentions and they're monsters. Right. So think of all the perceptions that even if, if more likely, if you have never met somebody or personally, or realize that you've met somebody that who's been to prison, you may have certain stereotypes and perceptions of what those people are like. Right. You may have a friend or a coworker who went to prison and you have no idea. Mm-hmm. So, I think the stigma starts there, you know, until you hear the stories of the people who've gone to prison and realize why they went to prison, right? It, 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 those stereotypes will will continue to exist.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's
2: one reason. But then you also have the, I, I won't get too deeply into this, but you have the reason of that prison is a uh, a business. So because prison is a business, you know, money rules everything, right? So there are certain stigmas and and discriminations that will continue to exist because people are pulling for them. Mm. Even though people don't want to admit it, but prison is a business. It is a business. So we have to uphold these stigmas and stereotypes in order to keep prison running. Right. We would be here for hours talking about that, but (laughs) I'm going to circle back around and say, because there's stigmas that exist with the prisoners, those stigmas then roll to the family. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So because I support somebody who's in prison, I must be a hood rat. Right. Right. I must be taking advantage of the system, right? So all the negative things that you think because they because they start with what they think people are like who are in prison. Mm-hmm. But I say all that to say that, yes, there are bad people in prison. There are people in there who belong there, but that's not the vast majority of people who are in prison.
1: And there are people
2: who just made mistakes. That's what I'm saying. My husband could come in here all day and talk to you about stories. How did people land in prison? Right. For example. One young man went to prison defending his sister who was, he found getting raped in the alley. Mm. Right. There's all kinds of stories, but people only see them as, you know, they don't see them as humans. Right. or You know, they're only partially human and they feel like they should be treated a certain way. Like you, some prisons, you can't even get clean water.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So that that's where the stigma comes from. It starts there. And it, it, it's just, I don't know. It's sad because what happens when you keep these stigmas up, it keeps people in hiding. Mm -hmm. It's the shame. Exactly. It keeps people in hiding. And when you're in hiding, guess what you don't get? Support. Exactly. You don't get support and you don't get help. Right. So so they're going to continue to keep snowballing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then this person is expected to help or support the person when they come home. Right. Now they've snowballed and they can, they can barely take care of themselves. Right. So, and then, right. And then think about how that affects the person coming home and how that affects their citizen rates. So if they can't take care of themselves, how are they going to support somebody who's been through trauma and needs help finding a job? Maybe doesn't have a driver's license. Doesn't know what to wear to go to an interview.
1: Right. Has issues. Like those are the programs I always say that they need to do better with, uh, rehabilitation programs because you put these, you put these inmates back on the streets and it's like, they have no idea what's going on in the world. Like you didn't prepare them. So what am I paying? What are what my talk tax? I was going to, <laughs> cause they need to be prepared. Like job interviews. They don't even know what to wear. Social skills, just getting back into the world. Like, what am I paying for?
2: mm. I know what you're paying for, but
1: that's, that's a whole different topic. I know what I'm paying for too.
2: <laughs> that money's getting, that money's hidden the other things that they're a 1% agenda, but that's a, look.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or my money is helping them stay in there. Should I say? Yeah. I,
2: look, yeah. Like I said, it's a business. Um, it's a challenge because like you said, a lot of these programs, they they look good on paper, But how successful are the people when they come home? Right. And a lot of the burden really falls on the wife or the mother or whoever he's coming home to. That is the primary person who is going to be responsible for keeping that person home and and moving them forward, whether it's mentally, uh, financially. Right. Spiritually whatever space he needs help, they're the primary, I'll just say caregiver for lack of word. But because my husband would say, you know, coming home, like he didn't feel prepared. And if I just talk about my husband, this is somebody who lived a life before going to prison. He owns his own business. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, he he actually did three bids. Mm. Uh, You know, he's somebody who traveled the world, who was in the Navy. Right, So, during his third bid, he did six and a half years, right. When he came home, he struggled to keep a job, and he he always used to describe demons, like he struggled with his mental health and still does mm-hmm. And there's people who've done twenty five years, thirty years, who've done lifetimes in prison, who haven't really lived many life experiences. Right, Like I can't even begin to imagine what life is like coming home. Yeah. And imagine being the wife having to I call it the rebirth. I envision a man coming home from one world
0: and being reborn
1: into another world. And the wife or the family is kind of being reborn as well. Yeah, I don't use that term to describe the family, but it's it's kind of almost like, oof.
2: I don't want to call it shock, but like, it's not what you ever expe- expe- uh, expect to happen. Right. As much as you can prepare for it. Gosh, because you might have these expectations of what it's going to be like, especially if you're the wife. Oh, it's going to be happy. Oh my God, he's going to, I have all these plans for him and how to help him be successful you know if you're a forward-thinking person right but you'll soon realize that his rehab is not moving on your schedule or your plan yeah (laughs) it's moving on 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 him not you Mm -hmm. because one he has to have a want to do it Mm -hmm. and healing has no timeline
1: yeah that's a fact
2: right So when you go into this position as uh, like if you're a prison wife and you take no preparation for his return, boy, oh, my, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are going to be, you know, you're going to pull your hair out.
1: Yeah. No, I'm (laughs) telling you, I told her before we started and we can touch more on it once we get to this part of the conversation. But I was like, I felt like you did the bid with him like you was doing the bid.
2: you You said to me look she did all this research on me she said at the beginning
1: and what'd you say to me I said it looked like you did the bid you said it looked like I did the bid I was like damn she was like wow and I'm like you don't think so you don't because you really see the transformation like just seeing your videos and we're gonna talk about this once we get into your story but I was just like it it was a lot it was a lot to look at and I can only imagine how it felt yeah, I mean, I'll tell you exactly how it felt. It,
2: it felt like somebody died. Yeah. Like, literally, it felt like, and I, it, it took me a while to say that publicly because I felt maybe a little guilt, a little shame for saying that mm-hmm. until I started doing research myself. And I realized that grief is not just something that happens or you, or you experience when someone dies. Grief is something you can experience by losing a job, change a situation in your life. It could be anything, not just right. death. So once I educate, started educating myself on, you know, how I move from point A, feeling depressed and feeling stuck, to living my best life. I, you're not alone, and right. it's normal to feel this way, right? So once I realized that, it just, you know, it, it helped me to normalize what I was going through. But yeah, I mean, uh, I I think a lot of people don't realize they're experiencing grief when their loved one goes to
0: prison.
1: Yeah. So what is your, what was your perspective? Or what was your thoughts on prison before you embarked on this journey?
2: It, it's hard to say because, I, you know, my life prior to that, I guess I could say I was ignorant because I really knew nothing. It wasn't something I thought about. You know, if you compare me to somebody who lives or who grew up in the streets, they realized that they could possibly go to prison one day. So for me, I don't know what my, if I had to compare or compare my thought process or my um, understanding of people in prison now versus before this experience, I'm not even sure because it's not something that was on my radar or something I even thought about. Which means I have to say that there's millions of other people still moving that way. So, and it makes me think as I talk about this that You can't get people to be proactive for a cause if they have no idea it even exists. Facts. You know? A lot of people are just unaware. Did I know? I don't think I had any inkling of how many people are actually in prison prior to this because it's not something I researched. There's no reason for me to... I mean, why would you need to? Yeah. And it wasn't directly affecting my life. So, Yeah. I, I can't even i don't even know if i even have an opinion yeah because you never thought why would you
1: so i mean that's
2: interesting yeah
1: um i was doing when i was doing my research interview i know sometimes people call prison wives ride or die bitches and you hate that saying <laughs> yo i wish i could see her face <laughs> why is that
0: no
2: <laughs> i cannot stand that how you gonna call like and I don't I don't mean cuss, look, like and ride or die, bitch, really? As <laughs> my husband would say, like, you shouldn't be riding or dying with anybody. Like, mm-hmm. like, gosh. First of all, you gotta have some standards in your life. You gotta have, what are your core values? What are your core, well, I'll say core values. What do you stand for? What do you believe in? Right. Are you willing to let, I don't care how much you love somebody, but are you willing to let somebody drag you down a path that is not even in alignment with who you are. I'm not going to fulfill an action or do something that is out of alignment with who I am. Like if someone, if he were to ask me, hey, can you get some uh, K or whatever? Can you mail this to so-and-so? You know, if it's something that's out of alignment with who I am, I'm not going to do it. Right. And so that term ride or die to me, it signals that I'm willing to do anything, even if it is out of who I am, even mm-hmm. if it's out of alignment with who I am. You, ha- And this is so important to establish before they come home, because if you establish the, the, the um, pattern that I'm willing to do anything for you, I can't imagine how your relationship's going to be when he comes home. Right. And you, you're, you he's not really you're supporting him but you're not supporting him in a way that is going to keep him home and out of prison Mm -hmm. and and here's the other thing i'm never obligated to stay with somebody just because they're in prison right like the other saying i hate real queens don't leave Mm -hmm. what no (laughs) i can be a queen and still leave like why why do i how come is that i have to stay in order to be a queen Right. Relationship don't work. It don't work. Right. it's a. If I'm not being treated the way I want to be treated, I don't need to stay. Right. I don't don't need to make my, look, man, my, I'm not going to be here to people please, or, or put myself in a position where I don't like caring about what other people think about me. If I leave. Right. Oh, you left him when he was down and out. Like, hell yeah, I did. It wasn't right for me. I didn't want to do it. Right. That don't mean I'm not a queen anymore. (laughs) right so i I think people need to make decisions for themselves and not and stop looking at what uh, what the community thinks and and looking at the all these sayings do what's best for you make the decision that's best for your life
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and that's all i'm gonna say about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) what would you say are some misconceptions of prison wives
0: oh oh you know what
2: i would happen to say that we have low self-esteem
1: oh yes that's a yo i was telling somebody i'm like oh i'm so excited about doing this um interview with you and i was like oh she's a prison life coach and the first thing this girl said was she must got low self-esteem and i said where did you get that from <laughs> and she's like i'm just saying how who would want to be with somebody that's in prison i said you know not and that, all- that right there i that right there's what i She. She has zero... Exp- I didn't wake up one day and was
2: like, hmm, I think the perfect man for me is going to be somebody in prison. Right. Like, I didn't anticipate him going to prison while we were together. hmm Like, now granted, he was in prison previously, but he wasn't moving in that way. hmm But, and he know that my standards are, look, if you're going to move that way, we we can't be together. Right. And what happened was somebody threatened me, threatened my life when I was pregnant. Mm. But I never had any. In, in, look, man, this is—you <laughs> don't just wake up one day. And now, granted, there are some women. Let's look. Let's, let's be straight. There are some women out there who purposely will date men in prison. That doesn't. Oh, yeah, that's a fact. That exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That is not every situation. Right. That is not something that 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 that. Most women are aspiring to do. Yes, they got problems. They have a false perception of what a relationship should be. Absolutely. Facts. I, I think the low self esteem one is definitely the highest because I I said to my husband, "I'm not doing this again. We can't do this again." Mm. Right.
1: No. So that's probably the biggest one. And she should probably come back and listen to this video. Well that's what I said. I said, Do you know the reason why her husband was in jail? And she said, No, do you? I said, No, that's why you can't jump to conclusions. I said, You gotta listen to the episode and find out. I'm like, because you just can't judge a book by its cover because of this negative stigma that's surrounding prison. Everybody that goes to prison is not all bad people. No, well here's the thing. What people
2: have to realize is that prison is what's considered well I consider is modern day slavery right if you are black first of all you should understand Well, i shouldn't just say put it on black people this is just american history
1: well if you're in marginalized communities (laughs)
2: like come on think about it you so basically what you're telling me is and and, and i'm generalizing that a lot of black women have low self-esteem the government purposely puts laws in place to imprison brown and black people like think about it like does she even realize what she's saying because from slavery, we went to like the black codes, where they would put laws in place, where like if a black man looked at a white woman a certain way, he could get thrown in jail. Or get lynched and she was a pretty lion and she's still a exactly. her old life. <laughs> think about how, like think about the history of our country. When slavery became illegal, there had we had to find, not we, they had to find another way to get free labor. People in prison work for companies and get paid pennies on a dollar. Making furniture and doing all kinds of other jobs. They sell this furniture at full price. Yeah. So you, you have to take that into consideration. It, well, how did they
1: how did they get to prison? Exactly. I think you make that's a excellent point. Yeah. Facts. Um, you also mentioned that you receive a lot of negative feedback from people who didn't agree with you becoming a prison wife coach and for charging your services. Oh, mm. 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 I said, "Oh, they are mad. <laughs>
2: you know what, is, that is something I had to get past myself. Mm-hmm. Because me personally going through this myself, being mm-hmm. a need or a gap in something that's so needed when we have 2.2 million people incarcerated, I have a passion for doing it, right? I have a family. I deserve to get paid for my time. Facts, right? I'm providing the same service a coach would provide for somebody who's getting a divorce, mm-hmm. right? Right. You have coaches for everything. You can find a track and field coach, right? Why? Why should it be any different than because my because my niche is working with prison
1: lives why is why is it why is it different now and nobody was doing it before you so you definitely paved the way for other people to say that they are coaches
2: well i can't say that i'm the first person there's other people in this space
1: but everyone does something kind of i guess well it's hard to say i would say support there's lots of support pages I think you're the first person, no? I, Because you're the only person that popped up and when I did the timeline. You was the first person that was like, I'm a prison wife coach, and then I started seeing other people later on doing the same thing, but nobody was doing what you was doing. Yeah, I, I, I say I'm not the
2: first because there's other people in the space who, who put, put out other information. Um, now, whether or not they have courses and stuff, I don't know. Right. But... I know. I know. There's people who put out information about, you know, helping, and and, and really um, have support groups and things like that. So I don't. So me personally, I don't claim the title, but but we know
1: the girls that get it, get it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, but I mean, I do definitely have a goal of like making it big. That's definitely something I want to do because I feel like it is so needed.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, put me on Ellen. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, what are some of the services you offer? So I'm doing relationship coaching.
2: So you can do coaching sessions even if your person is in prison still. Or if you can do coaching sessions, relationship coaching sessions if your person is already home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so awesome because I don't know any service where you can have I mean, do a relationship coaching session with your incarcerated spouse so for me that's exciting
1: right no that is exciting yeah and then be able to continue
2: it because a lot like I remember me and my husband did a program but it wasn't relationship coaching It was like making a plan or something but was not and it was there was so many boundaries around what we could do and if I got too busy to do it they they kicked us right out the program like especially as a single mom you know that's hard so couples coaching And then one of the favorite things I love to do is just encouraging, empowering women because I want women to succeed even while their husband or boyfriend's in prison, right? So I offer life coaching. Uh, So I focus on helping them learn how to thrive while their person is incarcerated. So whether it's working on, so it could depend. You could work on self-worth, confidence, you need help with your finances, things like that. Whatever it is you need to get the ball uh, moving for you and a lot of it honestly is mindset changing their mindset of what it means to live with someone I mean to have a relationship with someone who's in prison a- and breaking through all the stereotypes and breaking through all the limiting beliefs that you have so a lot of people might think like for example one girl uh, thought that you know it wasn't a good time to go to school and she had to wait until he came home
1: I'm like I'm no. a girl. it's the perfect time to go to school. <laughs> So, and
2: you know what, And you don't realize that because when they come home, it's going to be that much harder. You think it's going to be easier, but just because they're home doesn't mean it's going to be easier. Trust me. You're going to have a whole nother slew of stresses to worry about. So those are the the two main things that I focus on. Uh, The self-development for the, for the spouse at home and then couples coaching.
1: So let's, from the beginning tell us about the day that changed your life october 10th
2: 2014 <laughs> she got the dates um right so gosh that was my husband had left so to, to return the game to GameStop, and me and my i think my son was one at the time or two we were sitting there waiting for him because we were supposed to be going to a bar to go watch the um Orioles play. I think the Orioles were in the playoffs, the baseball team. And my husband is the type of person who always calls me when he's late or, you know, something happens, he lets me know. So a lot, it was taking a, lot, a long time. And long story short, you know, and I've, my the hours go by. I call friends, hospitals, even a police station. And it gets to the point where it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm literally calling the police to my house. And I called the police there to fill out a missing persons report. Mm. And the police officer, the officer that came to my house was like, oh, maybe he's partying. Maybe he got drunk. I said, no. that does, Nope, that's not it. And my greatest fear was that he was dead in the alleyway, alleyway somewhere. Right. I literally thought that he was dead somewhere. And it was the worst feeling ever. The worst and feeling. And you
1: were pregnant. You were five months pregnant.
2: And I was five months pregnant, yes. I don't even remember putting my son to bed. You know, that was, gosh. You know what's crazy that night? The police officer that showed up at my door was actually the husband of a high school friend.
0: Oh, wow.
2: That was crazy, but um
0: why was that crazy is that random i'm not from here oh yeah that's true yeah i'm so not from
1: baltimore right and it, it was
2: awkward it made the situation like i said like it, it made the situation even weirder for me because he's gonna go back and tell his wife Your
1: friend right well so, i mean we
2: were friends like we're not friends now not to say we're enemies or anything we just you know, after but, high school. Yeah. But it's like that just made the in and, and, and couple along with, you know, it was just oh gosh, it was interesting, but <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it's off topic,
2: but no, no, no,
1: not it makes sense though, because that's where that shame comes in too. Yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting it, it was
2: weird for me. This was solely because this is somebody who's gonna have insight to in my personal life now. Right. Some, you know, there's some type of connection to my personal life. But yeah, so I mean, the next day, I went to work. I went to work, but I wasn't there because I wasn't there mentally. And it's crazy that I even went to work. I think that's just kind of a testament to myself that I, I, I don't know. I just have this perseverance gene in me, I guess. Because that was probably the first thing that I did after my husband got locked up. That really showed my strength. Even though at that point, I didn't even know he was locked up. And even though I don't remember where my son went, I don't remember if I took him to work with me. I don't know if I dropped him off at his grandmother's house. I have no memory between those 12 hours. You were just going through the motions. I was. I'm pretty sure I had appointments. I was a personal trainer at the time, but who knows what kind of quality service they got. (laughs) (laughs) And... at at that noon is when he called me the next day so it was over 12 hours from when i heard from him or seen him last and that's when i found out that he had had gotten locked up and i'm just like thank you jesus he's alive right and from then on like i knew nothing about the justice system i knew nothing about getting a lawyer i knew nothing about nothing (laughs) and that was kind of my the start of my my downfall i got depressed and you know i just felt really stuck in life and like i said i was grieving
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i couldn't even like i had to do childbirth by myself
1: yeah i could see it on your face you like look reminiscing and stuff
2: yo man like i see so many women going through the same thing pregnant and their man gets locked up ah it's just and that was our and no, that was our second child Mm. And I wonder, because they, my second child and my husband, Bat, they, they're like, they fight all the time. You think that has something to do with it? I would have to think. My husband was present for our first child. He was present for our third child. Oh, the second child, he, he was gone. Yeah. He, I was pregnant. So he missed the birth. Matter of fact, he had a court, he was in court, I think that day and I, that's how he found out. I think I don't I'm trying to remember. But either he had court the day after, the morning after, I can't remember if I it's hard to remember. I have to say this they don't talk about this but the person at home goes through trauma. And I'm just not realizing this. I was going through trauma. We talk about the trauma that the person in prison goes through, but not the trauma that the person the wife at home goes through. There's a reason why I can't remember nothing.
1: Yeah. It's called um like a mental blockage because when something is traumatizing that's how you protect yourself you just don't remember and you I don't really
2: yeah. yeah I literally have blocks of time I don't remember I mean I remember the the key main things but like yeah it's it's crazy and I feel bad that I don't have these memories for my second son like it feel it hurts to say that um but I but I, to answer the question I feel like his absence that bonding that he missed out on has negatively impacted their relationship and especially too because they're very alike
0: mm.
2: they missed I mean they they talk about the bonding we look at science like research when they talk about the bonding period when, when the uh not just a human but an animal was first born right right and they they never had that though they had a relationship they've never you know my fact. they never touched
0: Mm -hmm. maybe
2: they get one hug when they after visits over when they go visit him you know Mm. there's no physical bond oh my god I didn't even think about this but like he can never embrace him Mm. like truly embrace think about as are you a mother
1: no not yet no
2: but think about like maybe you know the way a mother embraces their their child, right? The like, physical touch is very important, though. Yeah, there was never that bond was never there. It's funny, I've never had this conversation, but now I'm starting thinking about it. Like, yeah. I, it, so it, it, I think it put a strain on their relationship. Um, definitely.
1: Do you think it can be repaired? I think anything can
2: be repaired.
1: Right. Definitely. Um. And, you know, that's part of the reason.
2: J- just understanding relationships. That's why I went back to school to learn about relationships um, and, and through my process I've learned that relationships really are the cornerstone of uh, of health and happiness. Facts. We talk about what you eat, we talk about exercising, we talk about sleep, right? Think about all the things that we consider that we have to do in order to be healthy. I'd be the first person to tell you that that is not it. Is that Yes, that's important but when my relationship was in turmoil, my stress level shot up. Mm-hmm. There's not no amount of healthy food or adequate sleep that could combat an unhealthy relationship. I don't care how many hours of sleep you get or how well you eat, it just doesn't work. And, and this is totally missing from everything. Most people don't even talk about relationships. Right totally shifted my experience has totally shifted what it means to be healthy mm-hmm. right it's not just about fitness and all the other stuff and, and, and the more i dive into it the more i realize you know the, your thoughts right when a person's in prison and they don't call you your thoughts are like oh my god did he get hurt did he get stabbed right lock up what happened yo that those thoughts send me into an anxious um not I'm going to call it an episode, but like immediately that thought immediately takes me downhill. Because now right. you're worrying. Yes. Yes. So, and, and that, so that relationship with my husband and, and me worrying about him, all that impacted my health. It impacted my ability to work. So now we're diving into me being able to financially provide for my, my, uh, my family, my children. Mm-hmm. Whenever I went into work stress, you know what I didn't do? I I didn't talk to people. I avoided people. You can't avoid people when you're a personal trainer. Right. Like talking and creating relationships is the basis behind making money in that field, creating relationships besides the actual skill level. Right. Right. So, and getting back to relationships, relationships is the the basis for everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So, one creating relationships and maintaining healthy relationships. When it's not working, you're unhappy.
0: It right? shows. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know what? There was a lady. I won't
2: say her name, but um, I used to talk to her a lot when her husband was in prison. And you don't really see it until after they're they're happier. They're no longer together, but when I saw her um after she let everything go and said he was on his I mean they're still friends and stuff but when she let that go that that relationship go that was burdening her so much she looked like a completely different person mm-hmm. like just something that physically changed about her
1: is she no within this um this community mm, no not really oh okay because I'm reading this one book uh, I was I wanted to finish it before I, our interview or conversation, but um, she is known as being with somebody who's like really known within this industry. Like he was incarcerated and now he like he's like a public speaker. He'd been on Oprah child. I was like, oh wow, but they're no longer to get together. Hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna give you the name of the book once we get off because you probably know who I'm talking about. How was it?
2: who is it you gonna wait till we're done yeah, yeah, yeah Cause she might oh. be a guest so i'm gonna tell we doing. oh, done. oh okay, okay 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 gotcha
1: but um let me before we continue you mentioned that somebody threatened you did they threaten you after he went away or before no
2: that has to do with the, the whole story of him going away
1: oh okay that's what i thought mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so he was defending his wife yeah but
2: i mean even in that whole story though you know, as we when we look back on the, the whole experience and we spoke about it, I'm like that's like, do you really think that he was going to kill me? And like, do you, you know, and. But you know, that's not something to play with, though. No, no. I mean, especially because this person was the sad part is they were family.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And you know, I'd have to speak on decision making because i think looking back he can probably say that you know maybe if i handled the situation differently that wouldn't have happened
1: but shit hindsight
2: was 2020 <laughs> but at the same time um it, it, it's odd because and i don't want to tell the whole story because it's not my story to tell right but what he actually got locked up for didn't even have anything to do with that because he was en route to go see him. Mm. But something else transpired on the way there with the person
1: he was going with. But here's the thing, when you have people around you... Oh, I get what you're saying. I know what happened or have an idea what happened. You have to be very aware of your surroundings and people who you with. So...
2: And and I used to guilt trip myself all the time, like damn, if I had put my foot down about him being around this person, he wouldn't have gotten the idea of to go meet up with this
1: dude and, and confront him, and, and you know what I'm saying, like, or if the guy just wasn't around you, maybe things would have been different. But I was gonna say, like, my husband says that he
2: not to, I mean,
1: he doesn't call it a blessing. That's not the word he used, but he's thinking
2: like, if that event did not transpire on the way there he could have been in prison for life because his mind was probably like, if that dude was with him, I couldn't only imagine what was going to happen.
1: Right. Right.
2: Because of what I know about him. Right. So he, he almost talks about it as if, you know, you know, it happened for a reason kind of thing.
1: So did you ever debate on leaving him?
2: Uh, No. Because here's the the um. While he was in prison, no. When he came home, yes. (laughs) But but here's the thing. So, but I'm but you're probably asking about the prison part,
1: right? Because I'm gonna ask you about that part later on. But go ahead. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, while he was in prison, no. And the reason, or my justification, is because I had to come up with a way of justifying whether what was. You know, I never had the urge to leave. But I had to give myself some type of standard. And my standard was, if he was not taking action to becoming a better person, then no, I can't be with him.
0: Right. But my, my
2: initial thought wasn't, I'm leaving him. That, that never really, that never occurred. But establishing some type of standard did. And that was my standard, you know, because nobody's perfect. Not even myself. I'm going to come back around to that, too. But I think just allowing people an opportunity to move in the right direction. Because you could have a great man in your hand, but he's not. Men aren't perfect. Women aren't perfect. But you have to give people the opportunity to show growth or to grow, period. Right. And I want to double back around to what I'm saying, that I'm not perfect. And I feel like sometimes the mentality of the wives or the husbands, whoever's at home supporting that incarcerated you know, spouse, sometimes have a, has a tendency to take the high road and feel like they're better than them or they know more or that that was the person that's making all the mistakes. Right. And, and sometimes that can be damning your relationship Mm -hmm. and sometimes you are blinded to your own faults yeah and this is something i had to learn when he came home no the relationship isn't rocky just because he's in prison it's rocky because you play a part in it as well Mm -hmm. and the one thing that i want the spouses at home to realize is that they have more power in a relationship than they realize. Right. Um, And sometimes they feel like if something's going wrong, it's the incarcerated person's fault. But when you do that, you take away all your power. And that's in any relationship. When you view the other person as the person as the source of the problem, you're saying basically that anything I do doesn't matter.
1: Do a little part of you felt like you had to stay as well because he was going to defend your honor?
2: Uh, no, no.
1: Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, are like, you're not. But you no. never thought about that?
2: Never. Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> never. And here's the other thing. I never even knew... See, I come from a different state of mind than him. He came from the streets. I did not. Mm. So my perspective is over here, like well, how could we have avoided this situation? Like, no. I mean, I don't...
1: Mm-mm. And that's what he felt like he had to do.
2: But from his perspective, because he felt like he was honoring, he felt like he you know, was defending me, he doesn't understand the moves that I was making. Right. It, it, that's a good question because his perspective is like, I did this for her. Right. You know, but both sides aren't seeing things from the same perspective. So, until you come to an understanding, you know, and, and really understand where people are coming from, you will clash if that's if that's you know if if that is part of their story, they'll always clash until they actually talk about
1: it. But yeah, so once everyone started to find out that your husband was in jail, how did you block out the negativity, especially with <laughs> the especially when you made the decision to stay with him? Um, here's the thing. I can't tell
2: you, I, I like I said, I am a person who naturally is positive. I think that's just one of my gifts that I have a tendency to see the good, <clears throat> excuse me, and a positive in a lot of things. And I carry myself in a way like i you know, I would consider myself a person who has good confidence, you know. I never gave off the impression that i didn't want to be with him or that he was a bad person or that i was that i was questioning anything that that probably never resonated because i never felt that way so in my personal situation i don't think i got a a lot of negative no one ever approached me that way because i never carried myself that way Mm. i got the occasional you're too beautiful to be with somebody in prison kind of statements but I made a point to live my life. Yo, you can't tell me I didn't do my thing while he was in prison.
1: No, nah, I ain't gonna lie. When I was looking at your videos, I said once you snapped out of your like the depression and like the anxiety stuff, oh, you was in a row. You got that body together. I think mm-hmm. you even like cut your hair. That you had dread, you cut them off, let your hair grow. Like you was, it was just nonstop for you. Mm
2: -hmm. But can I address one thing? Because I know I didn't really answer your question. And I know that's a a point that a lot of people probably want to hear answer to. Uh, And I want to say, if you're struggling with people giving giving you negative feedback, you have to bring it look back at yourself. How are you carrying yourself? Um, When you're confident and sure of what you want, that will disappear. No different than men knew not to talk to me because I was faithful in my, my marriage they they would try at first but they saw how I was solid and my response was always the same once they see they they, they only when you're teetering will people continue to throw fire at you yeah
1: right they, they want to see if you're gonna uh, fold
2: exactly but if I keep coming at you with the same boom 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 eventually it's gonna stop they like they know so even though my husband may have had a fear like Nah, I have no problems. And even if I did, my focus wasn't there. So I had blindfolds. I'm very focus oriented. If I have a set goal that I'm trying to focus on, I don't see nothing else. So I may, people may be throwing darts at me, but I don't see it. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that is part of the reason why I was successful. And like you were talking about the uh, fitness. Like I won my first fitness competition. As a single mom with two two babies, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not because I had the most time or I was the happiest, or whatever other advantage you may think. It was because I didn't let that stuff creep in as an excuse, All right? I didn't let it be an excuse for
1: not winning, and y'all, when I tell you her body was snatched, In that photo, I said, come on now. (laughs) I know your husband was like, nah, I got to hurry up and get home.
2: No, no, no. No, let me tell you. Look, when (laughs) I first, look, when I first told him what I was doing, he was like, no. Think about it. He's in prison. He can't really see me. He can't touch me. But all these other men have at least an opportunity or a chance. And they're going to be seeing me and he can't be there. He's not gonna be there to experience this with me.
1: So hey, I said, look at her with this body. I said,
2: chill. Mm-hmm. So, but for him though, it wasn't something that he was supportive of at first. But it wasn't until he realized that me going after my dreams and goals was gonna make our life better. In order for me to be there mentally for him, I had to be go, I had to do for me what I needed to do,
1: right? Right. So what were some of the fears and challenges you faced in the beginning as a newly prison wife? Ooh, some of the fears and challenges? Uh, definitely
2: number one was finances.
1: Yeah. Um, I
2: Those first couple months was just me scrambling to reduce my bills any way I could. Because at the time I had just started working as a personal trainer. My husband paid majority of the bills because he owned his own business. And you know he was doing well. When I had just started, so I'm making like pennies. And so, thankfully, because I was really good with money, I had actually put myself ahead on bills, like my student loans. I was a whole year ahead. Girl, you don't know how happy I was when Sally
0: Mae said, <laughs> girl, you know you're a year ahead. That's, oh my God, thank you, Jesus.
2: Right. So, stuff like that. My good habits is what saved me in that avenue. And then budgeting. Cause I ended up saving more money without him than while he was home, which is crazy. So that was one thing. And then the other thing is just living in fear of somebody finding out that my husband was locked up, especially because of where I worked. Um, I worked in a predominantly white gym, uh, large Jewish population. Some of the women were kind of like- <laughs>
0: <Right. "Lougie." laughs>
2: very stush. Yeah, and I was just fear of people looking down on me and uh, and just, you know, how that was going to affect me in my confidence. I think those were the two major things. Yeah.
1: Were you afraid to go visit him or take your kids to go visit him? Um. No, I want to say, if, uh, oh, wait a minute.
2: I don't know if afraid is the right, right word, but I would say I was afraid of this experience negatively impacting my children's future. Right. So making a decision, is it the best to take our kids to go visit him? But I think I'm fortunate because my children were so young that by the time he'd get home, you know, he's not missing the bulk of their like adolescence and, you know, teenage years. And honestly, my fear went away when I went to a webinar i'm always researching and always looking for educational things to help me grow and i went to a webinar hosted by uh, dr bathia bathia muhammad from howard university on this webinar i
1: know know who you're talking about she's super dope she teaches uh, uh, a african-american studies or something there uh well she's in criminal justice
2: yeah that class too but um she definitely does criminal justice super dope Yeah. And she brought on some children of the incarcerated and they were doing so well. And she presented research that, you know, being open and honest about what's happening does not negatively impact the children. That was the day that I changed my perception of exposing my children to the truth because I was praying when I was in line with the other women, they throwing words out like prison and all. And I think God just must've covered the ears because they didn't realize that he was in prison until maybe six months before he came home. And my second son was like, are we out of prison? I was like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like what, what you uh... say? <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I just was fortunate and gosh, but knowing what I know now about, you know, um attachment theory and things like that, that I've learned about during my relationship course, I know that yes, Him not being there in a strained relationship that my children had does affect, you know, them growing up and them and what they're, you know, how they look at themselves and things like that. Especially that second child who missed out having him here during birth and his infant years and, you know, I think he was five when he came home. So they had to learn each other. Right. They had to figure each out. They were like, almost like strangers.
1: Yeah. They they are, or they were.
2: But they weren't strangers, because you know, I took the children visited all the time,
1: but it's just that bond wasn't there. He
2: only knows his man from behind walls and for when he calls home. Right. That that was the extent of the relationship, right?
0: Right.
1: Yeah. This concludes part one of this week's episode. Please stay tuned for part two,